So if you want a strong, durable body to be able to run distances, whether it's 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, or ultra, you need to incorporate the long runs, but do it in a smart way. And that's kind of what we're alluding to here in, you know, looking at pacing for your long runs. If you are constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week, we help a runner just like you learn how to consistently get in your mental clearing miles and even hit PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. What are long runs? What is the long run? It's a common term that we hear in running, and this training is really going to get into the what, the why, the how you can actually execute a successful long run and add it to your arsenal in your training. And I brought on an expert to talk about the long run with me today. I have Coach Whitney from our Spark Healthy Runner coaching team. What's going on, Coach? Hi, not much. It's a cloudy, rainy Monday here in Arizona, which is not usual. So I'm enjoying it. All right. It is uh, sunny and very warm on this uh, February day in Connecticut. This is like abnormally warm weather we've been having. It feels like spring outside. So I'm going to take it because I'm not a big uh, cold weather fan. So I'm going to take that. So guys, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of background on why I brought Coach Whitney on today to talk about the long run. Whitney DeLacombe is an RRCA and USATF certified run coach, as well as a certified personal trainer. When not working with her clients online, she is coaching the local middle school cross country team, as well as the track and field team. Coach Whitney loves running both on the road and on the beautiful desert trails of Southern Arizona. She knows what it means to run in the heat and really enjoys training during those cooler winter months. Um, Coach Whitney is a self-proclaimed gearhead. Uh, she just loves testing new running products and gear and, you know, sharing her great finds um, with her fellow runners within our community. Uh, she is also a wife and a mother of three awesome kids and understands the challenges of balancing family life with running. Uh, she was a stroller runner uh, for many years and knows the challenges that come with running um, with your little ones. Um, but she's got a ton of tips and tricks uh, for our mother runners. And she really loves helping runners chase their dreams and accomplish the unimaginable at Spark Healthy Runner. 
So that's the formal bio, Coach Whitney. I know you just ran an amazing marathon. So if you can, please share with us what marathon did you run and what was so amazing about this experience for you? So I ran the Mesa Marathon in Mesa, Arizona, which is basically Phoenix. Um, We stayed right by Arizona State University, literally on campus, and it was super close to the finish line. It was the weather was perfect. I mean, honestly, I'm going to keep this short because I could go on for days about the race. It was so awesome. The weather was perfect. It was chilly to start, but nice and like 60-ish at the finish. Perfect weather, sunny. You know, I executed my plan. I followed my training, which, you know, showed because I followed the plan that my coach and I, Coach Lou, came up with, the pacing plan, all of that. It went smoothly. I didn't have any cramps. I didn't have any stomach issues. I did have my headphones die at mile 23, and I stopped for a second to try and reconnect them, and I may have said a bad word or two and just said, forget it. I'm doing this without music. Other than that, like, I could not have asked for a more perfect day. My kids got up with me at 2.30 and helped me film roll and get ready and do all the things. And they were absolutely fantastic along the course with their signs. They had really funny signs. Um, And then after the race, you know, I followed our recovery plan and I did not sit down. We went, I showered, we went to the aquarium, walked around for two hours. Then we went to Ikea and walked around and then we drove home. So it was all in all, magical, magical day, an absolute perfect first in-person marathon. So I'm like still kind of riding high off that race, um, reliving it. It's, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And this, I I was just so happy for you. Um, first off, because this was like a long time in the making, right? Like because of COVID, because of Mm -hmm. stuff getting rescheduled and injury, this has been like three years in the making essentially, right? Of doing your technical first in-person marathon, even though you ran three or two virtually virtual. Yeah. Three Three. virtual marathons. And this was your first like full like race experience where like people are running next to you. People are cheering you on. So for you to have this, you know, quote unquote magical day, even though, right, there's stuff that went wrong, like you lost your music, like, obviously, that took some, um, you know, mental mindset tricks that you needed to do during those last couple of miles to kind of carry you through, because I'm sure you didn't plan on not having music during the hardest part of the race when you are trying to really push to that uh, finish line. But was there... Any like major, I guess, take home points or things that you really think allowed you to be as successful as you were for this experience? Trusting the process, the training process, because like you said, it was three years. I signed up for my first marathon to do in May of 2020. And I kept thinking there's no way it'll be canceled. There's no way. It's so far away. You know, typical beginning of COVID stuff. Then it registered for the next, the next. This training cycle, I was absolutely dead set. I'm doing this. Nothing is going to derail me. I did the strength training that was prescribed to prevent any sort of injuries, any of that. I did my recovery. I did my prehab rehab. I did my long runs as prescribed. All of the things that were recommended or suggested, I did. 
I did at Christmas, I did get sick and missed a long run, an 18 miler. Then three weeks before the race, I got COVID and missed a 20 miler. So we ended up moving my 20 miler. But other than that, like I knew that if I wanted to make this a reality, I needed to do all the things. And that's what I did. I really buckled down and followed my training. And one thing that helped, and we're going to talk about long runs, is I moved my long run to Thursdays so that instead of running on Saturday when my kids were home and they were wanting to do soccer games and all the you know, typical little kid things, I could actually be there. So I did my runs while they were at school. And that for me was a huge game changer for this training cycle. So yeah, I know I, I found that extremely helpful for my last marathon training um, as well was being able to do those long runs either on Fridays or Thursdays uh, myself. Yeah, being flexible with the plan uh, is what I'm hearing and trusting kind of your training, the process and, and, and you do make it sound easy. And I just want to reiterate again that you know, Coach Whitney has been, you know, consistently running for more than three years and putting in the right type of training. It's not like she just decided to, you know, pick up a 16 or 20 week marathon training plan, kind of free off the internet and, you know, had this magical experience. So there is definitely something to be said about consistency and, you know, the things that you've been implementing into your running. And it's not only the three or four months before your marathon, but it's the body of work. And clearly that showed honestly during your training because of all of those things that did quote unquote go wrong, right? With the injury, with the illness, personal stressors that you had going on, you know, leading up to that race that week, you know, it definitely wasn't the optimal environment, but you definitely displayed some true, you know, mental toughness and, you know, being able to overcome obstacles is a true testament to your mental and your physical preparation, honestly, leading up to that. So I'm super proud of you. Um, Thanks Thanks for sharing about the Mesa Marathon. And for those that want to actually get that training that you and I were last on the podcast was episode 144 in the Healthy Runner podcast, where we talked about recovery marathon tips with Coach Whitney, shared some great tips, and we had a nice conversation about how we recover from marathons. So for those of you who are new to our audience and you don't know who I am, I'm Dr. Dwayne Scotty. I'm a running physical therapist, a run coach, the CEO of Spark Healthy Runner, and the host of the Healthy Runner podcast. And we just love helping runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. And in today's training, we are going to really get into one of the critical runs within your training plan as an endurance athlete, right? Or as a recreational runner. If you ever have dreams and aspirations of running a marathon like Coach Whitney just did, running a half marathon, running a 10K, running a 5K, we still need to actually master the elements of the long run that we're going to be talking about today. So some of the things we're going to cover today is really what are long runs? Why should you do a long run? And what are the benefits of doing long runs? How often should you do a long run? How do you do 
a long run <laughs> of play words there. Uh, what pace uh, should you run your long runs at? Um, do you need to fuel for your long runs? And what does that look like? And then really, what do you need to bring with you for a long run? And then what is the best way to recover after your long run? And then we're going to talk about five common uh, long run mistakes that we see a lot in our you know, runners in our program. And we're going to share those with you so you can not make those mistakes and be able to be uh, a little bit ahead of the curve, if you will, in mastering the long run. So I set the table there, Coach Whitney. So if you don't mind really tackling the first topic is, you know, someone might have like downloaded a free plan from the internet and they were like, five mile long run and they're doing that on the weekend and they see the word long run like what is a long run well it's pretty simple a long run is a long run it's going to be your longest run for the week and typically that i don't know it it's going to be your longest run of the week it doesn't really matter which day of the week it is i was going to say it's on the weekends but that doesn't really matter because i do mine on thursdays so for someone who's just starting out, that could be a six mile run. For someone finishing a marathon training cycle, that could be a 20 or a 22 mile long run. Or someone who's doing a couch to 5K or just starting their fitness journey, that could just be the longest workout, a walk run interval workout that they are doing for the week. So it's going to be the longest run of your weekly runs. All right. So it's not dependent upon mileage. It's not like a double digit run is a long run or it needs to be a certain criteria. It's literally that person's longest run that they do during the week. And I even start with a lot of the runners that I work with who are currently, you know, currently having a quote unquote injury, we'll call it right. They're having foot pain from plantar fasciitis. They're having knee pain from runners knee. you know, we're going to really start running right? We don't stop running. We actually heal from these injuries by continuing to run consistently. And even if I'm doing walk run intervals and I literally have someone doing a one minute on, let's say one minute off run, walk intervals as we're healing from this injury, as you know, they're doing the specific exercise they need to recover from the injury. There's definitely one run that I program in during the week that is going to be a little bit longer. And usually I modify this by adding more repetitions to their walk run intervals, right? Like, so certain days I might have them do six rounds of that one minute on one minute off. Another day I might do eight. And then usually the long run that I'm going to use in air quotes there is really 10 repetitions of those intervals. So even starting out with lower mileage, you can do a long run. And I think that that's, you know, that's an important concept to think about is number one, adding that variety in the training, but then we're going to start to talk about, you know, why is it that we add these long runs in and what are those benefits? So you know, I guess, why don't we get into that now? You know, why should a runner consider doing a long run or what are some of those benefits of doing the long run? So the, what I, my number one, why you should do a long run is it's going to improve your stamina. Like you're going to build up the tolerance to running for longer periods of time. You can't just jump from 
sitting on the couch to running a marathon. Your body needs the time to build up. So the long runs are going to get you used to running for longer periods of time. They're going to build up that resiliency and that mental toughness also that is required to be out on the road or the trail, wherever you're running for an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever the time is that you're out there. It's mentally exhausting and physically exhausting. So it's going to build up that resiliency. It's yeah. also going Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I just wanted to say, I agree with, uh, the, the mental part because when you're, when you're building up and you're starting to grow and do longer, long runs, right. It, it's always that mental game too. That's like, I've never done this before. Uh, you know, can I, can I run a 10 mile long run? Can I yes. do a 14 mile that's more than a half marathon distance that you know i've done one or a couple of half marathons i've never run longer than it right like can i do that so i just agree with that mental point there yeah absolutely um it's also going to i'm going to get a little technical it's going to create denser capillary networks so the more capillaries or little tiny blood vessels that you have surrounding your muscles it's going to be able to deliver more oxygen more easily to your muscles to allow you to work harder. So that gets a little technical there, but it's essentially feeding your muscles more, allowing them to work more efficiently. Nice. Yeah. No, it's bringing that oxygen to the muscles and like helping. I I think of it as also like that cardiovascular system and like just making our aerobic capacity like the ability to exchange oxygen with our muscles, with our heart, pumping the blood to the muscles and exchanging some of the waste with our lungs. It just helps that whole system work more efficiently. So like you said, we can actually build our stamina and be able to run longer periods of time. Yes. And for any of you that have, well, we all started out as beginner runners, but any of you that are still beginner runners, Sometimes you can feel like you're on fire, like you can't catch your breath. You can't, you're just, you're going, going, going. You can't catch a break when you're running. That gets better and easier the more you do it. And that's sort of what we're talking about is the the cardiovascular system. You're building that endurance as well as your muscular endurance. So it will get easier, I promise. It's also the long run is going to improve your mechanics. So it's going to help it's going to help your form. It's going to help the way that you swing your arms because you're practicing all of the essentials. It's going to help the way that your feet land. It's going to make sure that you're not hunched over while you're running. It's going to help you perfect the way that your body works as a unit. Right. So you're, you're basically running to get more efficient at running, right? And because you're out there for a longer period of time, it's it's kind of what we talk about, like specificity of training, right? Like you want to become a better runner, you know, you don't just cycle or you don't just swim and, Absolutely. you know, thinking that that's going to translate into running. So because you're out there for a longer duration and period of time, that it just helps to improve those mechanics and you know, that practice, it's kind of like our neuromuscular system and our brain and the wiring um, and how we improve our form and our mechanics. Yes. Teaching your body to all work together. Yes, absolutely. It is also, now this is something that Brooke will be, would be able to speak a little bit better about our dietitian on our team, but it's going to increase the, the efficiency that your body uses the fuel that it has. 
So we don't want your body to go into using its glycogen source. We want to be feeding your body fuel, carbohydrates, essentially, that it can use as energy versus digging into these stores that we have, which are what feed our muscles and our body. So practicing these things on a long run is going to teach your body how to do it properly. So come race day, you're not putting in fuel and your body's freaking out. You're practicing it and your body can handle it and knows how and where to get the fuel that it needs, the carbohydrates that it needs. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think it it also goes back to like that whole like aerobic versus anaerobic. And for those that don't know, like those terms is like aerobic is like we're using oxygen essentially as energy. And, you know, you're thinking about that's our like slower, longer duration type activities versus like anaerobic is we're going so fast. We're like sprinting, let's say, and we're not going to be able to like hold that for a long distance, right? Or if you're doing like heavy, heavy lifting in the gym, that's more like anaerobic and it's a whole different like energy system that we use. So being able to do these long runs, then we're just getting, we're practicing being more efficient on what energy system that we're actually using. And then we also get more efficient at utilizing the fuel that we have on board so you're not like burning through that fuel like super fast, essentially. Yes, absolutely. And the most fun would be it makes you faster. Long runs in the long run, pun intended, make <laughs> you faster. The more you do them, the more you practice, the more muscle endurance you've built up over time, your body's going to be able to withstand and hold those faster paces for longer periods of time. You can't just out the gate be able to run a seven minute mile but over the course of running slow and easy paced long runs for long periods, your body is going to learn how to more efficiently use your muscles and allow you to run ultimately at a faster pace. Nice. So we can maintain those faster paces for a longer period of time. We're getting more efficient. So if I have a half marathon goal, then practicing these long runs will actually get me to that half marathon and even get me there faster eventually. Um, so you definitely have me sold here, Coach Whitney. There are many, many benefits. I don't know. I think we like listed six benefits of doing the long run. So how often, like if, you know, long run is like, you know, the, the magic, if you will, you know, how often should we do a long run? Should I be doing these like every day? Or if I do more long runs, does that make me better? No, and no. You should definitely not be doing one every day. That would be craziness. But <laughs> once a week, every week you should have a scheduled long run, whether that's, like we said, a three-mile run, a longer walk-run interval, or a 20-miler, whatever is appropriate at the stage that you're at in your training. Once a week, you should have a longer run. Yeah. We want you to be able to improve on your long run. We don't want you to jump from 10 mile, a 10 mile long run into an 18 mile long run. We take the baby steps to get you to the ultimate finish line of your long run, whatever that distance is. If you're doing a half, it's going to be different than a full, a 5k is going to be different than both of those. So whatever is specific to you, we're going to work you up to it. We don't want to just jump right into the longest long run. 
Yeah, and I think this is a this is a really important point, and this is really going to lead to many of you know runners' success in being successful in whatever your running goal is, whether it's your first half marathon, it's a marathon PR, or it's a five k. Because, and I think you know this is evidenced by you know, 5k cross country athletes at high school level, collegiate level, like they all run long runs that are like double digit and even middle distance runners. So like if someone's like a specialist of the one miler, they run like double digit long runs, believe it or not, because they know the benefits of building up that aerobic capacity, even though they're never even coming close to running that mileage or the duration that they would do in their event. So there, there is really a key benefit to adding in this long run to your plans once a week. And, you know, can you maybe speak to, and I don't know if we'll go over this later, but maybe, uh, I'm not sure, speak to, I know you mentioned every week, does that, what does that look like to you when you program for your athletes? Is that Let's use an example of if someone's building up to a half marathon, you know, are you programming like every week you're going like six miles, then seven, is it like a ladder where you just keep climbing and climbing? Yes and no, because we want to have what is called a cutback week. So each coach is slightly different, but typically you'll increase, I'll start with the six, like you said, you'll go from six to maybe eight, then 10, and then you'll have a cutback week after that 10 miler where you'll have a recovery week. So your total weekly mileage that week will be slightly less, including your long run. And then you start building back up for a couple more weeks and then you have a cutback week. So it's a ladder with a where you come back down like a rung or two and then you go back up and you come back down a few rungs. Does that make sense? Absolutely does. You don't want to just yeah, go straight just, up. Yeah, exactly. And that, and the reason for that guys is just because that's where we start to get into the injury zone. And we're all about keeping you healthy here on the Healthy Runner Podcast. So, you know, that is where we start to see this overuse because you never actually allow your body to recover. And we know those are one of the six steps to, you know, growing as a runner is that recovery element. And what Coach Whitney is talking about is, is building those long runs over time, but you want to do it in a gradual, progressive fashion but then also having those cutback weeks. And even on those cutback weeks, that long run preserves. So in that example, they use like, let's go six, eight, 10. For that runner, you know, when you cut back to, let's say you did six, eight, 10, then six, they're probably honestly, you know, their longest other run during that week is definitely not more than five miles, I'm going to guess, right? So that six miler still serves as that longest run four weeks later, just like it did, you know, four weeks earlier, if that makes sense. So you're still getting in the long run as your definition in the beginning was it's the longest run that you're doing during your week. But we want to make sure that there's always that kind of cut back long run week to allow the body to recover and to prevent any overuse injuries from happening. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So how do we do a long run? So this is kind of simple. You need to mentally prepare, first of all. So at 
for me, I sit down on Sunday and I look at what my plan is going to be. And I, I'm a paper planner person. So I write it down, paper and pen in my planner and I will mentally prepare. Okay. This week I have an eight mile run. Okay. Where, where's that going to take me? Where do I want to go? There are lots of different routes near my house. We live in a very runner and cyclist friendly community. So I have lots of options. So where do I want to go? Do I want to go south? Do I want to go north? Do I want to go through the neighborhood? I sit down and I plan out my route. Depending on the mileage, do I need to add a loop here? Do I need to add a a street over here? Plan it out. The night before, I lay out all the things I'm going to need, the socks, the fuel, the water, all of the things, my outfit, almost as though it's a race, just so I know I have everything. Morning of, get ready, get dressed. And I go out the door. I start my watch. Put on some music or podcast, maybe the Healthy Runner podcast. I don't know. Yes. And, you know, my long runs are on Thursdays. That's when the Healthy Runner podcast (laughs) drops. So it's usually pretty exciting. So that's how you do it. It's pretty, pretty simple. You really don't need to make too many other adjustments to your routine than you would for a normal run. I mean, there is a little bit of planning that goes into it to make sure you have fuel, water, you maybe want to take your phone on a longer run in case your husband's car breaks. I don't know. Your kids need to be picked up from school. Something happens or you need to be picked up. Maybe you ran out of water and need someone to come pick you up. That may have happened to me a few times, but you know, it does take a little bit of planning, but it shouldn't be a stressful thing. Long runs should be fun and exciting. So enjoy the peace and quiet. Enjoy the music. Enjoy the miles and just have fun. Super fun. I love long runs. All right. So what I'm hearing is that it just requires a little bit more planning, essentially, than our easier runs, right? Or the shorter runs that we're doing during the week. It, you just need to think about more, you know, course-wise and your route and make sure that you have your gear, which we'll get into like what we actually need to take with us during this run. But I completely agree with you as far as like, I love my long runs just because, you know, most of the runners that, you know, we talk to on a daily basis, most of the runners in our program, you know, I always ask like, what's your why, you know, why is it important for you to be able to get over this injury and get back to running? Or why is it important for you to be able to, you know, run your fastest half marathon or marathon? Um, And it's always, you know, stress relief, right? Like I love getting outdoors, you know, clearing my head or it helps manage my stress. And there's nothing better than the long run to do that because it really allows you to fully decompress. Like you're thinking about a lot out there, right? You're either not thinking at all or you can like fully decompress. And for those that have stressful jobs, you know, you guys can relate if you have like a commute and use your car ride to like just either get peace and quiet, like you shut the doors and it's like, boom, you could just unwind before you like step in your home and, you know, the kids are like screaming and, you know, getting dinner together or you're listening to music, whatever, meditating podcast. And it's like your unwind time. Like the long run for me is like my total like unwind time. And, you know, it is helpful if you can do it and not have to like rush back for something. So that's why I think your earlier point was a valid and it was a good point too on, you know, make sure it's, it's that day or that time period where you don't need to rush back and you don't have to like, you know, suddenly turn your long run into like a super hard run because now you're trying to sprint back home to make it back in time to do whatever you had to do on your schedule. 
which has definitely happened before. But uh, in general, I would say try to make sure you plan it out where that is not the case. So let's talk pacing. What pace should we be doing our long runs at? It depends. Most, most of the long runs should be at your easy pace, your easy conversation pace. You should be able to, I don't really run with anybody, but you should be able to run with a buddy and have a full on conversation the entire run and not be gasping for air and not be going, hold on, hold on. You should be able to have a conversation with somebody. I always tell my clients, if you can sing the national anthem or say the Pledge of Allegiance while you're running, even if you're by yourself, people might think you're crazy, but it's fine. Then you're going at a conversational pace. If you can run with your mouth closed, only breathing out of your nose, you're going at an easy pace. Once we start gasping for air or you can hear yourself breathing, we need to slow it down. Now, there will be times when in a training cycle, your coach might have a spicy long run in the schedule for you. So something with a little bit of speed work. And when that happens, yes, you will be running at a faster pace, but the majority of our long runs should be done at an easy pace. Right. No, I think that's a great point. And and for those that um, haven't listened to many other episodes before, when Coach Whitney is referring to a little spice, we get that from Coach Lou on our team, the aforementioned Coach Lou. Um, and we had talked about actually, you know, the purpose and like when we add those in, in episode 139 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we did really cover the topic with Coach Lou of like advanced marathon training. And we talked about you know, the benefits and who is really the best type of runner or when to add in some of this, what we call long run with spice. And it's really just adding in some of these shorter elements of running that is at a faster pace, right? So now you've taken your long run and you've essentially turned it into a quote unquote workout, right? Or a, some people use the term quality run, or some people might say I'm adding in a speed day. So you can kind of turn that long run into a speed day. But I think the biggest thing for those that are listening is this is only something that is added into the plan, not just because you want to get faster as a runner and you want to get a PR, but it's added into the plan when you can do that distance easily and you've covered that consistently and stayed healthy over the course of a period of time. And usually we're talking months, if not years. So if you know, you've only, let's say, let's use the half marathon distance for an example, and you've only, you know, done a handful of 12 milers before you've ever trained for a half marathon. In your next half marathon training cycle, I wouldn't necessarily recommend you doing, you know, a 12 miler and now turning it into a workout and adding in some of these faster miles. It really wants to be the runner who has covered that distance consistently, has done a bunch of easy 12 milers, and they know it's not that stressful on their body, and they recover easily from it, they they haven't been injured, then that's when you can start delving into some of this faster mileage during that run. And a lot of people do this in different ways. There's Usually, you know, we start to add in on the second half of that run, 
what we call like a progression run. And, you know, each mile you're starting to run a little faster or you can do different mile repeats at a certain pace. So whether you're training for the marathon and you really want to practice marathon pace. So what you're going to be doing for your race for, you know, a certain amount of miles. So let's say you do mile repeats or you do it for two miles and there's a recovery mile, then another two miles. And some, you know, might even run at the end when fatigue is setting in a mile or two at even threshold or tempo pace. So those can look different. We kind of covered that topic um, with Coach Lou in that advanced marathon um, training episode. But just to give folks an idea of kind of what we're talking about and really who is that beneficial for, but most likely if you are listening to this episode, I'm going to assume that you are more on the beginner side of things and you really want to, as Coach Whitney said, keep these long runs at that easy pace because this is already stress to your body because now you're running the longest duration that you know your body has ever run right as you build up. So that in of itself is adding stress and load to your tissues. And if you increase that variable at the same time of running faster and speed, adding speed in there, then usually that's where the balance is off and the tissues don't tolerate all of that load. And then that's how we get injured, right? And that's how you start to have an IT band that gets a little cranky or your plantar fascia starts to act up or you know your Achilles tendon really starts to give you a little symptoms. So that's kind of how we manage that and how we prevent those injuries. And, and really, I guess what we're also talking about, we had talked about recovery before in kind of looking at our six steps to growing as a runner. Everything we're talking about today, guys, is really part of the run plan that we talked about in that six steps to growing as a runner and building that strong, durable house so if you want a strong, durable body to be able to run distances, whether it's 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, or ultra, you need to incorporate the long runs, but do it in a smart way. And that's kind of what we're alluding to here in you know looking at pacing for your long runs. This episode is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN Nutrition is powered by Superstarch and it delivers that steady, long-lasting energy without the spike and then the crash. I had to take a moment to spark off this episode and share the exciting news of their long-awaited energy gel called UCAN Edge. UCAN Edge represents a quantum leap in how runners will fuel for their long runs and their races. It is the first and only on-the-go training fuel powered by Superstarch. Edge puts you in the ideal performance state by keeping blood sugar stable so you can work smarter and harder. The next generation of sports fuel has arrived, runners, and I've been using UCAN Energy during all of my long runs and races since its inception and love their new Edge fuel as it is the most delicious energy gel you can find on the market and it's powered by their true tried and trusted super starch. So you can't go wrong with that. So since you are a part of our healthy runner community, you will get 20% off all of your orders at youcan.co. Just use the code healthy runner during checkout when placing your order. Go ahead and give UCAN edge a try for your next long run. Trust me, you won't regret it. All right. So let's talk about some fueling. You know, do we do our long runs fasted? Like we just 
kind of get up and and head out the door and and do these fasted because you know I might be you know thinking that my goal was you know to run a half marathon or run a marathon because I really want to lose twenty pounds, Coach Whitney. So shouldn't I like not eat anything? So which would ensure like I burn fat off my body, and you know, so that would be more efficient, right? If I ate something, then obviously I'm just burning the the food that I'm eating. So you know, wouldn't that be like counterproductive? Can you hear a no. little sarcasm in my voice? <laughs> you guys can't see me because it's a podcast, but I'm over here laughing because this is all so silly. No, you cannot do your long runs without fueling beforehand. Actually, you should really be fueling before all of your runs, essentially to fuel your body. You really don't want to be running on an empty stomach. I mean, yes, there are times where we wake up and we literally have 30 minutes to get in a three mile run. So there's not really time. And occasionally that can slide. But these long runs, you need absolutely 100% need to fuel before you go out the door. Now, that's going to look different for everybody because what I eat before a long run is going to be different than what Dwayne eats. Now, I'm probably going to say this funny and he's going to laugh at me, but some people eat a bagel <laughs> and peanut butter before they go out for a long run, and that's great. As New Yorkers say bagel. <laughs> I tried so hard. I tried. <laughs> I do a banana and I do a granola bar, and that works fantastic for me. Some people just have one of their gels that they are going to eat during their long run, which I'll talk about before their long run. And that works. Some people do oatmeal. There, There's so many different things that you can try, but you need to eat something. You cannot just have a cup of coffee, first of all, really bad idea before you run and go out the door. Something to eat, some water. Then while you're running, you need to be fueling your body throughout your run. Now, it, that also is going to look different. Fueling is so person specific. So like I said, what works for me is not going to work for you, but you need to be fueling throughout your long run. Now, this is something you can work with your coach about when, how often, what, how much, all of the specifics. So I'm just going to kind of give you a general guideline. So anything longer than 60 minutes, an hour long run, you should fuel definitely before and maybe at the halfway point for that one. Um, some people say 90 minutes. I say 60 because it's not worth going into your glycogen source. It's not worth being exhausted because you didn't fuel. Just eat the fuel and you will feel fantastic. Then throughout your run, I recommend to my runners about every 40 minutes. Some people, that's going to be every 30 minutes. Some people, it's 45 or 50. Some people go by distance. So when I did my marathon, I did every four miles because my brain couldn't do math while I'm running. That it like physically hurts me to try and do math while I run. So I could figure out four miles. That was super easy. So that's what I did. And what you consume is going to be very personal as well. I like gels just because they're simple, they're easy. It's like two slurps and they're done. Some people like the chews, like the little, they're almost like gummy bear squares. Some people like gummy bears. Some people do pretzels. Sometimes on my long runs, I eat an uncrustable peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It is so personal and individual. You need to find what works for you. And there are a bajillion, technical number, different things that you can try. So don't be discouraged if you don't find that perfect fuel on that first time you try something. Keep trying different things. Uh, my biggest recommendation for that, 
do not try two things in one long run because you won't know which one hurt your tummy. And the other one is you need to do it for at least two long runs to make sure it actually works because the first time could be a fluke. So those are my tips for trying new gels or fuels. And then after your run. Now I am horrible at this, absolutely horrible because I come home, I start foam rolling, I put my legs up on the wall, I'm starting to scroll Instagram, you know, I'm posting my selfies, I'm doing all these things and I forget to fuel when I get home. And you would think, well, Coach Whitney, that's stupid. You're the coach. You should be doing these things. It just, I just, I don't. I do drink chocolate milk and I am adding dairy back in. Yay. But nice. Fair Life chocolate milk is lactose free. So for those of you that are dairy free, you might be able to handle Fair Life. But chocolate milk has a pretty balanced carb and protein ratio, making it ideal for recovery. But after you run, you want to make sure that you are getting some carbohydrates, you are getting some protein, you are getting a little bit of fat within, everybody's a little bit different, 30 to 60 minutes of getting back from your long run. You also want to make sure you are rehydrating. Water, 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 electrolytes, make sure you're rehydrating and you're refueling because it will make your recovery so much better. Now, you don't want to skip fueling on your long run because you're going to feel terrible. So practice it, talk with your coach, talk with one of us, reach out to Dwayne or myself, and we'd be happy to chat with you about fueling, but it is definitely something that needs to happen before, during, and after your long runs. Yeah. Now you bring up so many great points there. And I guess to summarize that, what I'm hearing is you definitely need a fuel, not only for kind of energy purposes for the run, but your legs are going to feel lighter they're not going to feel as heavy so like if you've been a person who's never eaten during your runs and your legs always feel heavy and your long runs just suck like you're like i can you know never run 10 miles and it's it's just so laborious to like build up for like a half marathon or a marathon um or even a 10k honestly because you don't have that energy it's amazing once you start fueling for your runs and we've talked about this with Brooke, our registered dietitian many episodes on the podcast as well it's just it's just such a a light bulb moment honestly for like you know all the runners that we work with in our coaching program that once they start fueling and i know for me i was always like a fasted runner when i first started you know 12 years ago and you know, once I started fueling, it's just been like night and day. So you have to fuel, you know, for performance element, efficiency standpoint, and you're going to have to fuel at your race anyway. So you might as well practice during these long runs because if not, then, you know, your GI system isn't going to be used to running with food in it, right? So we're actually training your GI system to tolerate food and fuel while you're running. So it's almost like training our muscles to run. You have to train your GI system to tolerate, you know, doing its thing. And those smooth muscles that uh, surround our organs, like are starting to digest food while we're actually exercising. So those are important. And then, you know, the after effects of recovery, right? Like the reason why we have to refuel is to stimulate that recovery process. So your long runs don't feel so taxing on your body. Like you're not, you know, totally zonked of energy later in the day to like play with the kids. The next morning, you're not waking up and feeling like, oh my goodness, that was like the worst thing ever that I ran this 10 mile long run, this, you know, 12 mile long run. 
you know, you can actually function. And a lot of that is the recovery aspect and why, and it's normal. Like you mentioned coach Whitney that, you know, you don't want to eat right away because that's normal. Like your body is essentially all your blood flow is still going to your skeletal muscles and it's not going to your GI system and it doesn't want to digest things. Like no one feels hungry after a long run guys. And don't think that it's just your body. Like you don't need to eat because you're not hungry. And you think like nobody is hungry after a long run or a race right away. It like, I don't know anyone that that happens to, but you have to eat in order to stimulate that recovery process. Like coach Whitney said, adding the carbs plus the protein with a little bit of fats in there to really kickstart that recovery process. So many, many great points there. Um, one point that I just thought about that we didn't mention earlier that I do want to mention is the length of the long runs. And I know there's a little debate out there. There's some variability. So I guess I just wanted to get your take on, you know, what's the longest long run you would ever give someone, you know, maybe we could talk about, you know, maybe marathon training, you know, what is the longest long run someone should do? And then I'll give you my take. So there are a couple circumstances. So I have a client, Emily, who I've, I've helped her through two marathon training cycles and a couple, two or three, maybe half marathons. And we're working together now, but she was really, she had a, a time goal that she was really, really hoping to hit. She didn't hit it the first one that we were working together. So the second one, we decided to do a 22 mile long run. Not, there was no speed work in it whatsoever. It was 22 miles just to kind of give her a little bit extra confidence maybe is the right word. Um, she did go a little bit faster for those last two miles just because she was feeling good. It wasn't prescribed, but typically for a marathon, I would cap it at 20. If the runner has done not all the things, but has, you know, hit the benchmarks that I'm looking for, that they're consistent with their running, that they're not missing a lot of long runs, that they're not running the runs too fast. If those things are not happening, I might suggest only an 18 miler because I don't want them to get injured. So it is totally dependent on the runner and the individual and the goals. For myself, 20 was a great stopping point for my long runs. It Time-wise, fatigue-wise, all the things, 20 was perfect for me. Now, I probably would have been fine with an 18 miler, but having that extra two miles just gave me that confidence that, yeah, there, I can finish six more miles. I can totally do that. So it's totally dependent on the runner, but definitely 20. You don't need to go any further than 20 when you're training for a marathon. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with your take. The big thing here, guys, and I'll take it from like a, a physical therapist standpoint is most, you know, runners get injured on the 16, the 18, the 20 miler before marathon training. And really what this comes down to, like those are going to be your greatest risk factors for getting a running related injury because it all relates to the duration that you're out there and how much time you're on your feet. Generally speaking, you know, I really don't recommend runners running more than three and a half hours tops. So whatever, you know, pace you're running at. So if you are a 12 minute, 13, 14 minute 
pace per mile person, you know, your longest long runs is going to be a lot shorter. And sometimes that could be tough for folks, right? Because they see plans out there and they say marathon, oh, I got to run a 20 miler in order for me to complete 26. And even that, I don't even think that's long enough. Like I have to run 22 in order to run 26. Like if you could run 20, you can definitely run 26. And same goes for the half marathon, by the way. Literally, if you could run 10 miles for your longest long run, you could run 13.1. Like physically, you can do it on race day, even though mentally you're going to second guess yourself and be like, no, there's no way. But trust us, like we've seen many, many runners do this, right? If you can hit those benchmarks, you can definitely complete the marathon. However, it really comes down to, and again, like, you know, social media, if you're comparing yourself to other runners, you're like, wow, they did a 22. And like Emily, for example, right? Like Emily did a 22 or this person, wow, they ran 24 miles before their marathon. Maybe I should be doing that. That person who's running, you know, 24 miles for their marathon or they're running 22, they're a faster runner. So their longest long run is done in a shorter amount of time. So that's where you're going to really see. And that's the big differentiator there. If someone, you know, we get like a Coach Lou, for example, right, who, you know, his easy pace is like by tempo or threshold pace, I think his easy pace is like eight minute pace, right, for his uh, easy runs. And he might be doing that for his long run. He's going to be done a lot quicker, right, with that 20 miler. So he might do more like during his marathon training than the 20 miles because, it's, it's a matter of that time on feet. And then the other thing I'll add there is experience level. And like someone like Emily, you bring up a great example. She's done many marathons, right? So this wasn't her first marathon, right? And, you know, it, it kind of goes to the experience level of the runner, the durability of the runner. And if you are an often injured runner, then you are definitely not the person that we would recommend crossing that 20 threshold. Or even for if it's your first couple of half marathons, getting even close to 13, right? We might cap you at 11 miles as your longest run, sometimes 12, right? So all of those variables go into play when we're looking at how long should your longest run be when training for a half marathon or when training for a marathon. So I want you guys to think about that. And then if you are listening to this and you're really looking to take it to the next level, you've done many, many marathons, many, many, many half, half marathons. You can, even for half marathon training, like, I don't know, I think, you know, half marathon is my favorite distance. I think I've done like 20 something of them. You know, now with my half marathon training, I run a 14 miler and now I'm even, you know, going to build that up actually in this next training cycle to doing a 15 and a 16 because of the benefits that you talked about before coach Whitney of building that aerobic capacity and base. And for me now, that's not a huge stretch because I've done it during marathon training, you know, last fall. So just thinking about when we cross that threshold, there's a rationale and there's been years, a body of work that's built up to that point where we can cross that threshold. So hopefully that just answers, you know, that common question you'll hear. And you'll also see percentages of weekly mileage out there, guys. Some people say 20%, some people say 30%, but it really matters is 
all those other variables on like how much percentage your long run is for your weekly mileage. And I wouldn't like perseverate on any of those numbers, by the way. And you'll see different like coaches and schools of thought on what that should look like. So I would just keep your, you know, make it your longest run of the week and don't get caught up on too much of like those percentages and mileage because it really matters if you're a faster runner, we'll put that in air quotes versus like a slower runner. And it's going to take you a longer amount of time to actually do that amount of mileage. And it's that longer amount of time on your feet that we're most concerned about in really increasing that risk level of actually getting a running related injury while you're training and doing your long runs. Absolutely. I agree 100%. All right. Let's get to one of your favorite topics, gear, because you're a gearhead, as we said in your bio. So what do we need like gear wise? What do we need to take with us for a long run? So I'm going to start with what we actually need, and then I'll go into what's also fun to have. So you need shoes, your good running shoes, whatever you normally wear, whether you wear a hat, sunglasses, whatever you normally take on your shorter runs throughout the week, you need that stuff. But you also need to have water with you, whether that's in a hydration pack, whether that's in a handheld, whether you are going to do laps and come back to your car that's going to have water. Or I have a friend who plants a bottle of water under a certain tree that they run back and forth on the path and come back for their water as they pass. You need to have water. You need to have fuel, which we talked about. You can carry your fuel in your hydration vest. You can carry it in a waist belt. You can carry it in your hands. You can put it in your pockets. Some people put it in their sports bra, which sounds uncomfortable to me, but if it works, it works. <laughs> and I have no personal that- experience, by the way, with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm, I will not do that. That sounds really chafy and awful. No, thank you. That's really all you actually need for a long run. Or I would say, because you just mentioned chafy, I would probably say, right, like your anti-chafe cream or balm, right? This would be the run that you definitely need that for. Unless you're just like one of those people, I get a couple of clients who are like, I've never chafed in my life on any of my runs. And I'm like, and you run like, and you sweat a lot? They're like, yeah. I'm like, hey, God bless you. Like, that's amazing. Uh (laughs) You have really good skin. (laughs) Yes. I don't want to jinx it. But I didn't chafe at all during my race. That's like awesome. Nothing. Yeah. And I I put it, this is really weird, probably TMI for everybody listening, <laughs> so I apologize. But I only really ever put it on my toes. Okay. I don't know. And I did, but I got up at 2.30 and the race started at 6.30. So I'm pretty sure it had all like worn off at that point. And I really, I had one toe that has like a small blister, but it's not a big deal. So I was very lucky, lucky in that sense. But yes, chafing cream, I recommend Squirrel's Nut Butter, not just because of the fun name, but it works really well and it it lasts longer than the others I found. Yes, completely agree. I love that stuff. And yeah, I use it on all of my long runs, even in the winter, guys, when I'm not even sweating a whole lot, tell you the truth. I find it's like super important. All right, what else do we need? I mean, I like my watch. You don't need to run with a watch if you are really good at judging distance or you know your routes really well. A watch is good. Your cell phone. I've mentioned the hydration pack several times. Mine is literally my security blanket. I wear it on all my runs, whether they're two miles or 20. It has water. It's got a small first aid kit in it. I keep my gels. I keep my 
um, electrolyte drinks in it. I keep my salt, everything. So you can stick your phone in your in your hydration vest. You can carry it. You can get an armband. Having a phone is good in case there's an emergency. Either someone needs to get a hold of you or you yourself have an emergency. Or you want music because that's always fun. So that's another thing. Music. Headphones are good. I have really a really small head, so I can't wear AirPods when I run. <laughs> so I wear the, oh, they changed their name. They used to be a shocks. Are they just? Now they're shocks. After? Yeah. Oh, now they're shocks. Okay. Yeah. So now I wear the shocks. I've had like four pairs of them, but I wear those because they rest over my ear and they're super safe. You can hear everything around you. My dad is super paranoid that I'm going to get hit by a car, even though where I run is probably 30 yards away from the actual street. He's convinced someone's going to go rogue and like run off the road. So I wear the aftershocks so that he's happy. I can hear cyclists. I can hear the coyotes. I can hear people. It's awesome. They are fantastic. And I feel like they are like the safest headphones around. If you're going to run with headphones music and you want to be safe. I also run with salt. I've mentioned that. I, there are a couple different forms. You can get salt tabs, which are like little, almost like children's Tylenol. They're the little chewables. They're very chalky, but they do the trick. I have since moved on from those and I now use base performance salts. They are the, have the same components. They have electrolytes, like they have potassium and magnesium and sodium and all the things that you need. They come in a little vial, which if you are going to put the vial in your hydration pack, you need to make sure you've closed the lid so you don't spill all the salts out while you're running. Happened to but, your personal experience, both of us. <laughs> yep. Yep. I told yep. my client that the other day. I, I was like, Coach Whitney and I both made this mistake the first time we got it. We didn't close it all the way. And then it was everywhere. And mine was in my it, shorts. Like my shorts oh. have a little pocket in it. Oh. And there was like salt everywhere. I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, man. No. And I have another client that ran the New York City Marathon this past year in 2022. And I mentioned to Emmett about the salt. And so he was going to take them. He's like, I'm so glad you told me to make sure that that lid is shut because he had put him in his handheld or he had taped it onto his handheld or something. And he was like, if I hadn't, that would have just been all gone within like the first few miles because the lid, it just is gone. But I keep that in my hydration vest. You guys, hydration vests are awesome. If you don't have one, they are an investment, but for reals, I mean, I have two, but I've been running with my same purple one for four years. So it's worth the investment, like mm -hmm. for real, get one. And the other thing that you should bring with you is a smile. You should always smile at runners that pass you and cyclists. And it's really fun to play this game, Sweet or Sour. I don't know if you guys ever played that as a kid, but I like to see the person coming at me and I try to guess if they're going to say hi back to me or if they're going <laughs> to totally ignore me. And then I get really excited if I, if I win the game and guess correctly. So bring a smile, smile at everyone, because you never know who's going to like need that smile, who's having a bad day or who's counting people that smile. So there you have it. Those are my things that you should bring and the things you need. I like that a little distraction and also helps you get through that long run. And it always is better to smile when you smile at someone. It, it definitely, it almost gives you a little energy as well. And I've utilized that at races um, as well, no matter how painful the that point of the race is 
All right. Thank you for sharing all of those tips there. I totally agree um, with all of those. I don't know if we, I don't know if you mentioned hat and sunglasses. Did we say that in the beginning? Because this yes. might be, and even if you think it's going to rain, you know, maybe an outer shell or outer layer rain. and then the hat is key. Because when you're out there for a while, sometimes the weather can change, right? So you guys want to yes. think about, you know, taking a little bit more, especially when the weather is going to be, you know, kind of shaky. You want to plan um, ahead, definitely. Yes. Well, and a hydration pack is great for that because you can take off that long sleeve or the arm sleeves or your gloves, whatever, and you can throw it in the back of your hydration pack. Mine has this little, it's called a shove pocket in the back. So I don't have to take it off. I can reach behind me and just like shove it. It's like a hoodie, like the pockets on a hoodie. It's kind of like that. It goes all the way through. So you can just put all your stuff in there. You just carry it. You don't have to like ditch it on the side of the road. Yeah, unfortunately, my shoulder mobility is not as good as yours, so I would have to take my pack off and then put oh. it in that pocket. I'm like, just thinking about that. I'm like, I can't reach back there. No, All right, so like my mid-back. So let's talk about uh, recovery after the long run. What are the things we should be doing after we're done with our long run? We talked about refueling. So that, I would say, is key. If you're going to do anything after your long run in terms of recovery, refuel. Have a bagel with peanut butter, have, <laughs> let me get it right one of these times, <laughs> have a protein shake with some fruit that has some carbohydrates in it. I really love like a chocolate plant-based protein powder with spinach and cherries. Fantastic. Or I always put spinach because it's a secret vegetable. Put blueberries, banana, you can throw some peanut butter. Like smoothies are great. My husband refuses to eat them in the winter, so that wouldn't work. But you could have oatmeal with some berries, or you could have yogurt with some granola and berries. There are so many options. You really want protein and um, carbohydrate, a little bit of fat. Other than that, you want to rehydrate, which we already talked about. You want to foam roll. Your foam roller will be your best friend after a long run. Like, you can't foam roll too much. And I always say to my clients, like, just do it. Like, just keep going. There's not like a time limit. Don't stop at five minutes. Don't stop at whatever. Just keep going. You can foam roll before your long run too, which kind of helps to activate and wake up those muscles. I like to do that. Foam roll compression socks. Uh, I maybe need to redo that video to show off how to easily get your compression socks on. But compression socks are going to be your friends and the socks, not just the sleeves, because you want all of the blood flow going up your leg. You don't want it to pool around your feet around your ankles, which can happen when you wear just the sleeves that only cover your calves. So those are okay for like during the race, if you want to wear compression, but you also want to wear your awesome Belegas, you can do that. But after the race, put on the full, full on compression socks. Good point. And personally, I enjoy a nice run the next day, a short run. I feel like it helps to kind of re-loose re-loosen. That's not a word. Loosen up my muscles again and kind of get the blood flow going to help the recovery process versus having a complete rest day the next day. Yeah, no, it's definitely good to get those legs going. So let's talk about the five most common long run mistakes that you see um, in most runners. I can attest to doing all of these at some point. So if you are guilty of any of these, don't feel bad because we've all done them. Number one, running too fast. You don't want to run too fast or run, run at our easy pace and less prescribed in your workout. 
Two, not building up the distance gradually. So jumping from a six mile long run into a 12 mile long run, don't do it. Bad idea, you're going to get hurt and then you're gonna regret it. So don't do it, listen to your coach, follow your plan. If you happen to miss a long run, say you missed your eight miler, don't jump into your 10 miler the next week. Talk to your coach and figure out what you can do and how you get back into the swing of the long runs because just missing one and jumping to the next distance is the same as going up too fast, going out too fast. Uh, number three, not fueling before, during, or after your long run. You need to be doing all three, like for reals. <laughs> not taking water with you would be number four because you don't realize, especially this time of year in the winter, you don't realize that you are sweating and you are losing not only water, but electrolytes in your sweat. You need to replenish that. You need to be making sure that you're drinking. You're not going to feel thirsty like you do in the summer when it's like 5 million degrees and you're running in an oven. So bring that water, sip on it. I tell my clients, even if you just take a sip every mile, that's going to be better than nothing. So try to do more frequently if you can, but bring water with you, handheld, hydration pack, whatever you need to do to bring it with you, bring water. Last, and you might think this is silly, but it's not, knowing where the bathrooms are is my last common mistake that runners make because sometimes you eat something the night before that doesn't agree with you and you don't know it until you're halfway into your run. In the winter, a lot of the porta potties disappear. A lot of the park bathrooms get locked. Knowing where the gas stations are, knowing where the public facilities are, whatever those might be, is going to be super important. Even if you just have to go number one, as my son would say, knowing where the gas station is that's friendly and going to let you just go in and go to the bathroom and leave, not have to buy anything. Knowing where those are is super important. You don't want to get stuck. I have a friend that I used to run with that had to um, donate her Belega sock because we didn't know where the bathroom was <laughs> and then had to finish the run with one sock. So you don't, you need to know. It sounds silly, but plan your route so you have at least one somewhere. Totally not silly at all. It is definitely key. And I haven't ordered anything uh, to eat at a McDonald's and I don't even know 15 years maybe, but I visit McDonald's on a weekly basis during my long runs. <laughs> I hit it on the way out. I hit it on the way back because uh, it's strategically uh, planned at a great spot when I'm really preloading with some hydration before my long run. And then it's at a great spot where it's three miles from my house. So it's like perfect time to kind of get it you know, in the beginning and then I'm good for whatever those middle miles are. And then I get it on the way back. So yeah, thank you for all of those tips. And, you know, if you can change one thing about the misconception of the long run, what would that be? It doesn't have to be hard. Don't make it hard. It's easy. It's fun. It might not be physically easy, but it should, it, you shouldn't dread your long runs. They are meant to be another piece of the puzzle. They are meant to help you. So enjoy them. Make them fun. Create a playlist that is just for your long runs. Listen to one podcast only on your long runs. If you long run on the treadmill, have one Netflix show that you're going to binge on your long run because doing 10 miles, 20 miles on a treadmill, you need something entertaining. So it doesn't have to be hard. Enjoy it. 
Yeah, that's great. And I would add into there that it is probably one of the most critical runs, as we mentioned before, because of the benefits that you need to be doing as a runner year round, not only when you're training for a marathon, not only when you're training for a half marathon, but year round for your overall health to stay healthy as a runner. We need to allow our bodies to adapt to tolerate a quote unquote long run, no matter what that mileage is, but you need one run in your weekly plan um, from a longevity standpoint that your body is going to get used to and it's going to get more efficient. So that's how we get faster as runners. We get more efficient um, when we run and we can run longer distances and be able to do those for faster times. So super, super critical. And yeah, thank you for all of the tips that you shared today, Coach Whitney, the what, the why, the how of the long run. I think this is going to be super beneficial for so many runners out there. And if you're a runner who's struggling to get faster or stay healthy as a runner to meet your running goals, or if you're a beginner and you just need a little bit more guidance on how you program these long runs that we've been talking about today in a safe manner so you don't get hurt, especially if you're quote unquote injury prone, right? You've had many injuries in the past. That's exactly what we do with our one-on-one high touch point signature Spark Healthy Runner coaching program. So within our program, we have a team behind you guiding you each step of the way. You have a PT, a registered dietitian, and one of the amazing coaches on our team, like Coach Whitney here, um, providing you the structure, support, and accountability to enjoy lifelong injury-free running. So if you want to see if you're a good fit, to work with Coach Whitney or anyone on our team, then you can schedule a strategy call with myself and you can grab one of the remaining slots that's on my calendar each month and we could talk about your running goals and see if it is a good fit for you. Uh, You can simply schedule your call by going to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching. And Coach Whitney, this has been amazing. It's always great catching up with you. And, you know, hitting that record button every once in a while to, you know, share some of your awesome knowledge with our running community. So thanks for taking the time out of your day to share that with our community. Of course, it's always fun. I love talking about running. (laughs) And thank you guys who have been listening to this. And remember, the next step is you need to implement, right? So don't only kind of take in some knowledge and wisdom, but you got to implement it into your training. So if you've been watching this on our Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel, or if you're listening to this during a run, hopefully you're having an amazing run enjoy the rest of your run and let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running until next time. Bye. Thank you as always for listening to the Healthy Runner podcast where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, Grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkhealthyrunner. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner on Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkhealthyrunner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons back to you here. 
Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcast or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.